From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers. I'm David Bolander, editor of Finance and Commerce. Thanks so much for joining me. Beyond the Skyline is sponsored by Ironmark Building Company. Whether it's a new luxury apartment building in the North Loop or expanding the community in the suburbs, Ironmark builds quality projects for discerning clients. Ironmark's foundation is built on a culture of collaboration with clients and projects that stand the test of time. Talk to Ironmark's award-winning team about your next construction project today. Go to ironmarkbuildingco.com. In this week's episode, finance and commerce reporter Brian Johnson talks to Margaret Donahoe, Executive Director of the Minnesota Transportation Alliance, a St. Paul-based coalition of contractors, engineers, local governments, and others united in their desire for transportation investments. With the legislative session underway, much is at stake. Most notably, Governor Tim Walz's $2.7 billion state bonding recommendation which includes money for bridge replacements, local roads, and regional bus corridors. In the following interview, Donahoe talks about the legislative session, a proposed federal gas tax suspension, and the $1.2 trillion federal infrastructure bill, which offers billions of dollars for transportation upgrades in Minnesota. I'm pleased to be joined by Margaret Donahoe, Executive Director of the Minnesota Transportation Alliance, a nonpartisan statewide coalition of organizations advocating for a safe and effective transportation system that works for all Minnesotans. Margaret, thanks for joining me today. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to be here and talk about transportation. Absolutely. And I always tell people, you're one of my go-to people when it comes to transportation. You're pretty much a walking encyclopedia on transportation (laughs) issues, whether it's funding, construction, both transit and roads and bridges and and the whole gamut. So appreciate that. How long have you been with the Transportation Alliance now? I actually started in 2000. So um, it's been a long time. I started out uh, helping out with the lobbying and sort of gradually moved up in the organization over time. I gave a very brief introduction. Can you talk a little bit more about the Transportation Alliance and your mission? Sure. Um, Actually, the Transportation Alliance was started back in 1893, if you can believe that, um, as part of the Good Roads Movement. Uh, Started out as Minnesota Good Roads. And today it has a much broader agenda. As you said, we pretty much represent all of the modes. And we like to say that our members are the people who are planning, designing, building, and operating Minnesota's transportation system. So that includes uh, local governments, it includes contractors, it includes engineering firms, it includes labor unions, as well as transit systems and other advocates. Okay, great. Well, we've certainly come a long way since 1893 in our transportation system. Obviously, the big thing going on right now uh, is the legislative session. So I guess if we could just jump right in and talk a little bit about that, what are you keeping an eye on there at the Capitol from a transportation perspective? Yeah, well, this is traditionally the bonding year as opposed to the budget year. And so that's a really big deal for us. Uh, Capital investments are uh, really important. And of course, roads and bridges are publicly owned. 
um, as well as transit systems and other ports, airports, all of those investments opportunities. Um, so we spend a lot of time focusing on the capital bonding bill mm-hmm. and uh, talking to legislators about some of the specific projects that are waiting for funding. Uh, local bridges are a big focus as well, um, because most of the bridges in Minnesota, which as you can imagine with all of our lakes and rivers, we have a lot of bridges, um, but they're not owned by the state. They're actually owned by counties and cities. So that can become a big burden for local governments, especially more rural parts of the state where they don't necessarily have a big tax base. But of course, those bridges are really critical for moving products, moving freight all around the state and, and helping our economy. So there really is a state interest in making sure that our bridges are safe and can handle heavy loads, especially for moving agricultural products around. We're hoping uh, that we will be able to get more funding for local bridges in the bonding bill. Uh, We have probably close to a thousand deficient local bridges in the state. Um, There's quite a list over the next five years of bridges that need to be either replaced or repaired. And then also local roads. Um, There are also some really key corridors that local governments, again, have a hard time uh, on their own, you know, coming up with funding for those. And the really good thing about the bonding bill is that it leverages other revenue sources. So for a lot of the projects you see in the bonding bill, there's state bonds, but that's not covering 100% of the project cost. Um, So the state dollars go a lot farther in terms of the actual amount of construction work that gets done. So we'll be, um, like I said, talking to legislators a lot about the needs and how the bonding bill can play a really big role in helping to preserve and improve those important state assets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you just talk a little bit about the needs here? Um, I, I, I think it's no secret that the funding never keeps up with the needs out there. And where are we at now? Yeah. Um, well, as you may remember, um, back when Governor Dayton was in office, he created a transportation finance advisory committee to mm-hmm. look at, you know, what are the needs? And How much would it take to really uh, meet all of the needs on our transportation system? And they came up with a pretty big number, um, over a billion dollars a year is the shortfall between what we really need and the amount of revenue that's expected to come in. And that's one thing about transportation. We do benefit from dedicated funds. So we can kind of look into the future and estimate how much will come in from those dedicated funds. But there continues to be a pretty big gap. We did uh, get the legislature to make some progress in 2017 in terms of dedicating some additional revenue from the sales tax on auto repair parts to transportation, but they didn't dedicate all of it. And outside of that, um, there's been some one-time appropriations from the general fund to both transit and highways in the last few years, as well as an increase in bonding, both general obligation bonds and trunk highway bonds. So that has been helpful in terms of individual construction seasons, you know, keeping the road and bridge projects going, but it hasn't really addressed that structural shortfall that we see going on into the future. So that's a big part of what we try to explain 
to legislators is that, you know, we still do have um, a really big shortfall and we have all sorts of ideas um, for how to address that. And, you know, we are always kind of looking at those constitutionally dedicated revenue sources like the gas tax and the tab fees and the motor vehicle sales tax, because those have to be used for transportation. But it's been a tough sell um, in recent years to get any increases in those revenue sources. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you mentioned the gas tax, and that's been in the news again um, with the White House talking about maybe taking a federal holiday on the gas tax to provide some relief for uh, the high prices we're paying at the pump. But then I guess what what is your position on that? Or where does the Transportation Alliance stand on that as well as just kind of the long term future of the gas tax with the emergence of electric vehicles and so forth? Yeah, well, we see these ideas for a gas tax holiday from time to time, you know, when prices go up at the pump. And it's really so counterproductive because the amount that people pay in the tax is a really small percentage of the overall price. The federal tax is, you know, 18 cents a gallon. Well, if the price is 350, you know, 18 cents is such a small fraction of that overall price. And that's the only part of it that's going to help fix our roads. The rest of that price is going to the oil companies. And, you know, the prices fluctuate all the time. We see a lot of volatility. But taking away that tax revenue just makes it that much harder to take care of the roads and and help people get around. And especially now, it's really ironic, given that the White House and the Congress spent so much time working to pass the infrastructure bill. Well, that relies on the current gas tax revenue. So taking that away right now just undermines what they just did in terms of passing an infrastructure bill. So we understand it's an election year. People know that the public pays attention to prices at the pump. It sounds popular, but we hope that, you know, leadership will prevail and understand that that's a really short-sighted way to give people a little bit of a break, but it's not going to make a huge difference in the price at the pump. And what about the long-term future of the gas tax? As a you mentioned, it is a big source that we rely on for maintaining our system, but as more people drive electric vehicles and, and so on, what is the future of the gas tax and how will we eventually start to phase it out, I guess, in replace it with a more reliable source of funding. Yeah, that has been a topic of discussion for many years. I think the the benefit of the fuel tax, and there is a tax not just on gas, but on all types of fuel. So whether it's diesel or E85 or liquefied natural gas or whatever it is, there is a tax. And it's because it's a user fee. So the more people drive, the more they pay. And especially commercial vehicles that drive a lot and use the roads a lot, mm-hmm. you know, we want them to contribute to fixing those roads. So people see it as a really fair way to pay for the roads. And because it's constitutionally dedicated, it can't be spent on anything else. And it has a really low administrative cost because it's actually collected at the wholesale level. So it's super efficient in terms of collecting the tax. And so we don't waste a lot of money trying to collect money from every single driver, which would be really expensive with the fuel tax. 
And in terms of its future, yes, um, of course, people are turning to different fuel sources. Cars are becoming more fuel efficient. We understand that. And gradually over time, we will want to see some sort of shift to maybe looking at how much people are driving and, and charging people that way. And there are a lot of ideas for doing that from simply reading your odometer to having some sort of device in your car that you know can calculate how many miles you drive. But it does seem like that's kind of a ways off in terms of both the technology and privacy and cybersecurity concerns about that kind of technology. Um, so in the meantime, we just we think it's important for all of these fuels to be taxed. So if we tax electricity that's used in cars at the same rate that people would have paid in the gas tax, then we're not losing any money. So I think in the short term, we just need to make sure that all of the fuels are being taxed equally, and then it won't really matter what kind of fuel people are using. Mm -hmm. Well, just kind of sticking with the federal government, what uh, you mentioned briefly, the federal infrastructure bill, uh, any thoughts on that and what it means for Minnesotans? Yes, um, absolutely. We are so happy <laughs> that, mm -hmm. that Congress and, and the White House worked really hard to get this done. Um, we actually have an event every year, a, a Washington fly-in, uh, where our members go out to D.C. And, and meet with the members of the Minnesota delegation and talk about transportation in Minnesota. And we did that in September last year and got a really good reception. So we really pushed hard for the passage of this bill once it passed the Senate in August um, to get it through the House and to the president's desk which did happen in November. And it's a big deal for two reasons. One, because it's a five-year authorization. So we have that stability in the funding, which is really important in transportation because you have to plan far ahead. And sometimes projects take multiple years to get done. So we need to know that the funding is going to be there in the future. So it's really important to have that five-year security um, but also because it's a pretty significant increase over previous funding levels, about 30% more for roads and bridges, and I think about 35% more for transit. So it's it's really helpful in terms of contributing to the projects that are waiting <laughs> for funding. But I also think it's important, um, and we've been trying to explain this to legislators, for people to understand that the amount of money that's coming to transportation through this legislation is not new money. So it's not four and a half billion for roads on top of what we're used to getting. That includes what we always get out of the federal highway trust fund because people pay that federal gas tax and the money comes back to Minnesota. So the actual increase for roads under the formula funds over five years is about $925 million. So it's just important that legislators and others don't see this big number and think, oh, my gosh, we're getting $4 billion more because, you know, we had already expected to get the usual federal funding levels. And so it's really the increase that we're focused on. And that increase will make a big difference in terms of being able to do more projects and move projects up and maybe do some bigger projects. The Blotnick Bridge replacement is a really big 
project that's kind of sitting out there and people aren't sure how to pay for that. Um, so hopefully this will help because there is a big focus on bridges in the federal legislation. But it will also take state and local money as well, because pretty much all transportation projects, if there's federal funding, there's also local funding as well. There are matching requirements. So um, federal funding actually winds up being about 24% of all of the spending on transportation around the country. So you can see, you know, 75% is coming from states and local governments. And so we are also talking to the legislature about the need to continue their commitments and to make sure that we have enough state money to match these federal funds, including being able to compete for discretionary grants which is another part of this legislation that we're focused on. So that is a big part of what we're talking to legislators about this session and helping them understand that, you know, the federal bill is great. Uh, it's not going to take care of all of our needs and we still need state money and we still need to make sure that we can match those federal funds. Yeah. Great points there. Um, is there anything you're looking at just from a policy standpoint at the Capitol? I guess not a lot in terms of policy. We are hoping that the legislature will um, improve the um, sales tax exemption for construction materials. Mm -hmm. um, so it's easier for governments to make that happen and streamline the process, basically, because otherwise the money just sort of circulates around the state instead of providing much of a, a benefit. So that's one policy issue. I guess the biggest change is not so much policy in, in as much as funding, but we're working with other groups to promote dedicating 100% of the sales tax from auto repair parts to transportation. Uh, the current law dedicates $145 million roughly a year, but it won't grow in the future because that number is set in statutes. And it actually brings in twice as much as that. And so we'd like to see them finish the job and dedicate all of that revenue to transportation because there is this big surplus. So it's a good time to do it. And that will really help MnDOT uh, match those federal funds, as well as helping some of the local governments with their transportation needs. Okay, great. Well, uh, you've covered a lot of ground there as usual. Anything else? Any parting thoughts before I let you go? Um, I guess, you know, just that the transportation system, as we've seen in the last couple of years, is so important to keeping our economy going. We hear a lot about the supply chain now and the problems with the supply chain and the impact yeah. that it has on businesses and prices and people's ability to, to get around as well. Um, so, Investing in transportation does impact people's everyday lives, as well as we're uh, concerned about the safety issues and the number of fatalities on our roadways, which, as you know, last year was really bad. Almost 500 people were killed in traffic crashes last year. And that's a departure from previous years where that number was going down and it kind of shot up again. So we also think it's important for the state to look at this issue and figure out ways to address the problems with safety on our roads. Yeah, great point. Um, thanks for bringing that up. It'll be an interesting session. So hopefully we can stay in touch and you can keep us informed on how things are going there. 
Okay. Well, thank you so much.